0: Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Is heaven real and what is it exactly? Is there a real hell to avoid? Will the wicked burn in hell forever? What does the Bible say about all this? Let's find out. Now, here's your host, Albert Hardy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 11 of Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to talk about the future of the world, the universe, and you and me, people. In the Christian church, you find all sorts of ideas about what heaven is all about. And that people have an immortal soul that dies. or When you die, it doesn't die. It lives. It keeps right on going. Never even a blink. One second after you die, you know. And I heard Dr. Erwin Lutzer in Tampa say, um, and and by the way, he does a very good impression of Billy Graham. If you close your eyes, you could imagine Billy Graham being there, and it sounds just like him. But anyway, he wrote, uh, I think, or co wrote this book about One Second After You Die. And, oh, man, is it about going to heaven or hell where you'll spend eternity? Can we spend eternity? In my view, you can't spend eternity. You dwell in it. You live there. But... This idea of going to heaven, when you go to Hollywood and let them look at it, look at Gladiator. Well, everything's beautiful in the world. It's full color and everything. But when he dies, yeah, his wife's there and his boy. But everything's sepia. Ugh, how miserable can you get? And that's their best shot? And then you see these commercials and there's little babies with wings out the back and they're only in their diapers and they're floating around in clouds and, you know, ask your pastor what heaven is all about. But here's what it means to me. Verse 16 of chapter 51 of the book of Isaiah, this one verse capsulizes the entire plan of God, in my view. He says, I, and this is reading out of the Moffat translation, I put my words into your lips and hid you in the shadow of my hand when I spread out the skies and set the earth, when I told Zion that they were my people. Now, that doesn't sound like much in this translation. I want to read to you the way it was put in the NIV. Okay, here it is in the NIV. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place and who laid the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, You are my people. And here it is in Young's literal translation of the Bible. And I put my words in thy mouth, and with the shadow of my hand have I covered you, to plant the heavens and found the earth, and say to Zion, You art my people, or my people thou art. I like the King James actually a little bit better than all of these. Here he says, And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand that I might plant the heavens and lay the foundation of the earth and say to Zion, You are my people. That, to me, is the most beautiful verse in all of Scripture, all of the Bible. Let's think about this for a moment and realize that the universe is a vast place. It didn't start with any silly Big Bang idea. Boom! And all of a sudden we've got all the planets and stars, everything in order and moving just the way it does. No, not by (laughs) any stretch of the imagination. God laughs at such tripe. God is the master builder, sustainer, and developer of the universe. He is colonizing the entire universe. Read my book for free, What in Heaven is God Up To?, You can go to itellwhy.com and read it there for free. Here's the table of contents. Well, first I give a statement. What in heaven is God up to? His great goal of life is to train his people and prepare them to reign with him in God's kingdom, which will remake the earth anew, and after that, the colonization of the entire universe. So, I'd love for you to think about that for a while. It's not about going to heaven. That's the table of contents, part one. Chapter two would be God has a will, a calling, and a purpose for your life. Three, God's kingdom is what it's all about. Four, can we learn rulership from Jesus? Yes, of course. five. What can we learn from the ancient kings? six. How Jesus will restore the world seven. Train to reign acquiring God's attributes. eight. The renewed masterpiece earth. nine. Reign in peace and ten. Picture perfect earth, now on to the universe. This book, in the prologue I wrote this, is dedicated to the proposition that Jesus knows what he's talking about. He created the earth and everything in it. He owns the place and reserves all rights to himself. And this includes you and me. Did Jesus say people go to heaven when they die? Let's find out. If he did say people go to heaven when they die, then this book and all of its work is no good and useless and just trash. But please hear me out before you trash the book. It's not about going to heaven. Could it be possible that there is something else God has had in mind all along for our eternity other than floating around in the clouds or walking on streets of gold or singing as praises with your butt up in the air and your nose down to the ground for all eternity in a never-ending church service and this is what God wants out of life I'm here to say what God has in mind is a lot better than that in fact Once you understand what you will read in this book, you may just abandon your former concepts of heaven forever. And I really hope you do. Well, then in in John 3, verses 11 through 13, we read this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that which we know. And testify that we have seen, but you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you don't believe, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. (sighs) So why is it that You've probably never heard that from the pulpit. I heard a preacher run right through that one time. He didn't even bother to slow down. He just kept right on reading and never talked about it. Well, if no man has ascended into heaven, why does the church tell us that they have? And that he went to be with the Lord, or he's in heaven now with Jesus. No, not according to Jesus. If the decedent didn't go to heaven, then where is he? If he was good, surely he went to heaven, right? Wrong. So am I going to heaven when I die? What exactly does going to heaven mean? Why isn't that in Scripture? Can anyone pin it down for me? Please, Is going to heaven really what life's about? And if not, what is the real purpose in life? Why was I born? Where am I headed? Where am I going? What will eternity be? Have you ever pondered the stars and wondered about them? Aren't you awestruck every time you get to see the night sky on a clear night? Why did God build all those stars? What in the universe is God up to? Well, if you turn to Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18, you will hear that God not only created the worlds and all that in them is, he did so for a purpose. Dig this. This is reading out of the NIV um, Isaiah forty five eighteen. This is what the Lord says, and when it's all caps like this, it means Elohim or the Great God, who created the heavens. He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth and founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. I'm going to read that again in case you missed that. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God who fashioned and made the earth and founded it. He did not create it to be empty. He formed it to be inhabited. He not only formed the earth to be inhabited, but the entirety of the universe. Think about that, will you? please? I know many writers of late have composed books about heaven, like Randy Alcorn, Johnny Erickson Tata, Billy Graham, Erwin Lutzer, just to name a few. But here is the point I wanted to make about Dr. Erwin Lutzer. I mean, to me, their ideas are quaint, they're cute, they're puny, They're tiny, nearsighted, weak, and they paint God as an unimaginative, colorless, powerless, small-minded, far from the great visionary and powerful adventurer He really is. They seem to go to great lengths to detail the uh, vivid colors and rainbows and streets of gold and using a single word or two from the book of Revelation Add the rest from the pages of their own imagination. So let's go on down to a story I want to tell you rather quickly. And then let's move on to the hell idea. One pastor um, and I went on a camp out. And we're about... 20, 30 miles away from the next nearest human. And the night sky is all aglow with stars and planets and everything all over the place, just billions of them. And so we got into a conversation about heaven. Do you think boredom would take over after about 15 minutes if there were no life out there, if there wasn't anything to do but just look at it or the stars to shine little minuscule lights on the planet of the Earth, yeah, I think I would get bored with it. But when we talked about this uh, view, his view of heaven, he said, well, it'd be like the holodeck on the Starship Enterprise I think he said. Here you step into a magic black room with white grid lines on all the walls and floor and ceiling, and then you touch a few buttons on the computer screen, and then uh, the room suddenly transforms into a bright sunlit world, and I'm riding on horseback through the woods by a lake. And another day I could program it to be playing tennis or golf or something. But to me, one fun game after another is a real snore. If that's all we got to do is play around and get nothing accomplished. We have creative minds that are there to build and construct and adventures to go on and science to uncover and such. So I told him what my vision of heaven is. Well, it's straight out of Scripture. We've already talked about it. I've covered you with the shadow of my hand that I might plant the heavens and say to Zion, you are my people. We are built to be God's children. As his children, we're going to do what he does. It's not about going to heaven and going to eternal retirement. No, 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 no. Now, you can also look across on the left side and down at the bottom on my website, itellwhy.com, is my book, Why Lie About Hell? Forty Good Reasons to Tell the Truth. And then I say in the prologue, hell is defined as the ever-burning lake of fire where the damned go to consciously be tortured In the flames for all time to come. Thus, God, who, since he is in control of the universe, is made out to be a cruel, vindictive ogre who sets up his own children for a fall, then lets them fall, and then tortures them endlessly without relief. How liberated would you feel? If you knew for sure that your deceased parents or loved ones are not there and never will be there, if you're like me, you would feel free from this ball and chain that most Christians have carried around for all their lives. In the flames of hell, the wicked would feel pain, according to some preachers, like Dr. Erwin Lutzer of the Moody Church in Chicago, which I heard say when he spoke at Tampa, face to face, his face to mine, he said that these people, these wicked people, will feel pain 100 times greater than we can feel anything on earth. Did you ever get stung by a wasp? That does not feel good, and there could be some swelling and other problems as a result of this. Why did I bring that up? Because I got stung twice today by a wasp. But anyway, I couldn't believe he said such a thing because there's nothing like that anywhere in Scripture. And this is a doctor of divinity in the Moody Church. Well... is perpetrated by conniving or else seriously misinformed preachers. The conniving ones perpetuate it for two reasons. One, to scare the faithful into their pews. And two, to scare them so badly they give up their hard-earned money for nothing while the preachers laugh all the way to the bank. To me, this is fraudulent and wrong. This whole doctrine is fraudulent and wrong. This foul doctrine is one of the main reasons there are atheists. They cannot connect a loving, merciful God with the doctrine of eternal conscious torment. And I'm one of those people. I'm not an atheist, but I can't buy this. There's nothing, nothing in Scripture that says anything close to that. So, here are my 40 reasons. The cross itself disproves hell because Jesus was not banished to go there. Think about that. Instead of um, the all the weight of everybody's sin being dumped on Jesus and him taking the real penalty for it, which is the wages of sin is death, no, instead Jesus if that were real, would have to be burning in hell in great torture and torment forever. But since he did not go there, you've got two choices. Either you do not have a Savior in Jesus, or there's no such thing as eternal conscious torment. And you can read the rest of that uh, reason number one. Reason two No scripture relegates God as a torturer. Three, there's no such thing as separation from God. Four, the wicked will be ground into powder, according to Jesus himself. Five, God himself declared the wicked shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not awake. You don't believe that? Jeremiah, chapter um, 51, verses 39 and 57. Look it up. Six, God can and will kill and devour the wicked permanently and forever. They will be forgotten. Seven, God will turn the wicked into ashes under the souls of the righteous. Reason number eight The soul that sins shall die. It's mentioned twice in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, verses 4 and 25, I believe. Reason nine. What good would be done for God if he tortured someone in hell for all time to come? Would he get some kind of a jolly out of that, a pleasure? Happy, happy, joy, joy? No. Reason 10. God said his universe was very good. So is hell a good thing created by God? Number 11. The hell dogma was fabricated. It's from the imagination of men. Number 12. Satan will die. Completely dead as though he had never been. So who then would stoke the flames? Number 13, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. It does not support the hell doctrine. Find out why. Read that. Then 14, when we add up all the biblical texts about hell, and there's only like 21 of them in the New Testament, fire or judgment Or um, annihilation. Annihilation seems real rather than eternal conscious torment in hell. Reason 15. The wicked will be stubble and burnt up according to Scripture. Reason 16. Shame and everlasting contempt can also mean the embarrassing ridicule of the wicked. It's their reputation that lives on forever, not them or their, quote-unquote, soul. Reason 17, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. That quote is from Isaiah and also um, the words of Jesus in Mark 9. But those that doesn't mean what people think It means the worms are not immortal and they can't be burnt or so they can't be burnt by fire. So they're swimming around in these dead bodies. Come on, give me a break, people. No, it's about the reputation. What's left over after a dead dog dies or a dog dies? Well, it's get it gets eaten by worms. Leave it lay on the side of the road and you'll find out and the fire is not quenched what about that well the fire is not quenched is the same thing it's it's not quenched it goes out on its own and th- when it runs out of fuel and then what's left over is the smoke it's not quenched it's it's reputation this is what i'm trying to illustrate reason 18 hell itself shall be cast into the lake of fire. See Revelation 20, verse 14. So how could hell cast itself into itself and burn up? (laughs) Come on. Reason 19, the word hell is translated from four different words. Reason 20, when a wicked person dies in the flames of Gehenna fire, it will be as though he had never been. According to scripture, find out where that scripture is by reading the book. Go to itellwhy.com and read my book on hell. Why lie about hell? Reason 21. God said rebellion is as the sin of, of witchcraft, an abomination, and an affront to God himself. So why would he himself tolerate it for all time to come? by listening to his rebellious children uh, shout epithets at him. 22. The wicked die twice, and from the second death there is no further resurrection. Reason 23. If we must put on immortality to live for all time to come, then we will have spirit bodies which cannot feel pain. So, if they have to live in hell they would not even feel it reason 24 god hated idol worship this is a big one to me particularly and especially the detestable god of moloch why because worshipers sacrificed their own babies into it by setting a bonfire inside the uh, the metal god's belly and then burning them up in sacrifice to this metal god. Now, God hates that, so why would he do it? He's no hypocrite. Reason 25. Common sense makes eternal conscious torme- uh, torment blasphemous. A god who created all the worlds, that's the, the result of sin... No, the wages of sin is death. If, and this is reason 26, if conscious torture in the flames of hell is real, then God lied. And God is certainly no liar. Unlike certain pagan gods, he is no liar. Reason 27, hell is what people want, not what God wants. Reason 28, if the hell doctrine shuts down a person's honesty, how can it be legitimate? Think about that one. And 29, even if it were proved that hell is a hoax and a great scam, people still want to believe in it because it is their tradition, and tradition is more important to them than truth. Shame on those who has that condition. Reason 30. The hell scam turns otherwise good and noble pastors into snake oil salesmen, absolute shysters. Reason 31. Endless conscious torment would not bring glory and honor to God. So why would he put up with it? Reason 32. Preachers say that all sinners who die before repentance and faith in Jesus will go to hell to consciously burn for all time to come. But it's not biblical. So where do they get this idea? From the Catholic Church, maybe? From ancient mythology, like Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. The ancient Greeks, the philosophers. It's a philosophy, it's a it's a belief system, but it's not in the Bible. Reason 33. Jesus now has firsthand experience of what it's like to be a human being and feel what it's like to be tortured in his own flesh. So why would he want to torture others in the flames of hell for all time to come? It doesn't add up. Reason 34. If you buy into the hell scam, Satan has you right where he wants you. Deceived by a doctrine of devils. Reason 35. Other religions. Islam, for example, have hell as this ever-burning place of endless conscious torture. So how can it be even remotely Christian? Reason 36. Jesus said, if you continue in my word. And that's a big if. If you continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free john 8:31 through 32 you want to be free from the worry of hell well you need to be study this book it's there for your benefit there's no axe to grind i'm not selling anything There's nothing for sale on my website, period, and there never will be. Reason 37. Jesus also said that there is a place where the cursed, the devil, and his angels would be cast into everlasting fire. What exactly did he mean by that? It means he will destroy them completely so that there's no trace of them left. And there's no spirit floating around in torment. No disembodied spirit, no ghosts. Get that out of your thinking. It's not real. Reason 38. According to the Apostle John in John three thirty-six, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life, and he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Well, the wrath of God does him in forever. He will be dead and gone and forgotten. Reason 39. If wicked people really suffer forever in hell, then where is the victory over sin? And lastly, but not least, reason 40. If hell is real, there would be no reconciliation to our sin, thus nullifying nullifying the work Jesus accomplished on the cross. And then I go into my dissertations on each one of those reasons. Reason one, remember, the cross disproves hell because Jesus did not go there. Now let me read this just a little bit. The cross disproves hell as an ever-burning place of constant torment because Jesus didn't pay that penalty, even though every sin ever committed, yours and mine, were laid on him. So how could it be just for God to punish me for all eternity in hell for my mere 70 years of sinning? While Jesus, with all that sin dumped on him, only got 24 hours of suffering, then death, and then being raised again the third day as an adequate punishment for all sins. That doesn't make sense. As it is written in Philippians 2 and verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death not eternal conscious torment, even the death of the cross. For this reason God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in the earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you can read the rest of this, and I hope that you do. Jesus' punishment that he took for all sin was enough. God the Father accepted it and deemed it adequate. It was 24 hours of no sleep, forced captivity, undeserved beatings, mockings, a crown of thorns hammered into his head with a rod, "'scourging until his bones shone through his skin "'and finally being nailed through the wrists and feet. "'On the cross, ice-cold, shivering in the windy, cold elements "'and rain, more than likely, "'bleeding profusely while hanging on the cross "'with nothing to do to get away, "'and then being jabbed through the heart, "'resulting in his instant death on the cross.' Now, don't you think that's awful enough? This was gruesome, cruel, and unusual punishment, which he endured for our sakes. But it was not eternal life in the flames of hell. Why, then, could he be right and fair in burning me or anybody for their sins for all time to come? It doesn't make sense think about it. Well, this is Albert Hardy. I hope you've enjoyed this, and I hope you go to why.com I, the letter I, tell, T-E-L-L-Y, W-H-Y.com. And read my book, Why Lie About Hell. And you can read all eight of my books. You can download them for free. You can print them. It's that There's PDFs on each and every one of them. You can just print. Go ahead and print it and study it. Take it to your pastor. I dare you. I'd love for you to do that. I think you'd have a lot of fun doing that. And the other book, What in Heaven is God Up To? You can also read The Rebirth of Planet Earth, Why End Time Prophecies Matter, Why Kingdom Come, why I test your Bible IQ, why Jesus matters now, and why I'm evolution free. It's all for free. Well, until next time, this is Albert Hardy saying, go to my website, enjoy it, and learn truth and embrace it. That's what you want to do. You'll learn what life's really, truly about. I care about you because you care about prophecy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.